Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Fresh Encounter, the radio ministry of Lifelong Anointing Church. Our mission as a church is to equip the body of Christ to increase in wisdom and in stature, and in favor with God and with men. We are glad that you joined us for this edition of the broadcast. It is our prayer that this broadcast will be a blessing to you. Here now is Pastor Otuno with today's message. Changing your level through the practice of faith. The practice of faith. I want you to notice in what I said just now, I did not say changing your level through the power of faith. No, I did not say changing your level through faith. No, I'm saying changing your level through the practice of faith. Changing your level through the practice of faith. The reason I said changing your level through the practice of faith is because there is a major difference between faith, the power of faith, and the practice of faith. Two major differences. Major difference between the power between faith and the practice of faith. And in James chapter 2, the Bible tells us in verse number 17, the Bible says in verse number 17, even so, faith, if it has no work, is dead, being alone. Yeah, a man says, Thou hast faith, I have work. Show me your faith without thy work, and I will show you my faith by my work. Thou believest that there is one God, thou dost well. Even the devil also believes. So it's not just faith. It's not just a question of saying, I have faith, I have faith, I have faith. The question is, what is your faith producing? What is your, how are you practicing that faith? What is the action of that particular faith? That's why I say, you change your level, not just by faith, but the practice of that particular faith. And if you look at verse number 26 of that, James chapter 2, the Bible says, For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without work, faith without practice, faith that is not engaged, faith that is not practiced is a dead faith. It's not going to do you any good. And I've given you this illustration in the past. The fact that you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, that he came to set the captives free, that anyone who believes in him will not perish but have it everlasting life. The fact that you believe it does not change anything if you refuse to repent and accept him as the Lord of your life. It's not going to do you any good. Yes, Jesus is Lord, fine. But if you don't believe him to save you, you will never be saved. If you don't begin to take the action, the Bible says, with the mouth a person confess unto salvation. If you refuse to confess with your mouth, you might believe it in your heart, doesn't make any difference. So the point you are making is that the practice of faith is what changed our level. In other words, anybody can have faith. Anybody can profess faith. The Bible says that even the devil believes. The devil professes. But the faith that will change your level, the faith that is meaningful in your life, the faith that will take you from where you are to where you need to be, that faith is a practical, practicing faith. It's a faith that you put into practice. In the book of John chapter 9, reading from verse number 1, the Bible says, And Jesus passed by. He saw a man which was blind from his birth. And his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin? This man or his spirit that he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither has this man sin nor his spirit, but that the works of God 
should be made manifest in him. I will walk the walks of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. As long as I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And when he has thus spoken, the Bible says, he spat on the ground, made it clay of the spittle, and, his, and he anointed the eyes of the man, of the blind man with the clay, and he said to him, Go, wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. And he went his way, therefore, and washed, and came see. And the neighbors, therefore, and they which before had seen him that he was blind, said, Is not this he that sat and begged? Some said, He is. This is he. Others said, It's like him. But he said, I am he. Therefore, he said unto him, How were your eyes opened? And he answered and said, A man that is called Jesus made clay and anointed my eyes and said to me, Go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And I went and I washed and I received my sights. Couple of things I want us to look at before we go deep into this particular subject this morning. The first thing I want you to notice is that there is a hopelessness of a man that is stuck at a level in life that he cannot change. Bible did not tell us how he got blind. But we're told that he was born blind. This was a hopeless situation because there is no one who has been known to have been able to open the eyes of a man that has been born blind. The man was in a hopeless level. His level cannot change. That is the first person we see. The Bible says Jesus passed by and he saw a man which was born blind from his birth. And the next thing you say, that same man, the individual who was not able to change his level, the Bible says that he now came and encounter, he came into a situation that was a life-changing encounter. The Bible says he met the one that is able to change the level of an individual. He met an individual who was able to be able to transport, who was able to change his level from that lowly level and move him to the next level. The Bible says that Jesus Christ, when he has not spoken, spat on the ground, made the clay of the spittle, anointed his eye of the blind man with the clay. The third thing we see is that we saw the life-changing instruction that was given to this particular man who was at the very lowest level of his life. A life-changing instruction was given unto him. The Bible says, Jesus said unto him, Go and wash in the pool. And the next thing we saw, this man followed that instruction. He took a level-changing action. The Bible says, He went his way, therefore, wash and came back seeing. Then finally, the Bible says that there was an evidence, a level-changing evidence in his life. People who had seen him before that he was blind can now see that his eyes were open. So number one, he was in a situation that looked as if it can never change. Hopelessness of an unchanged level. He has been there like that since he was born. Number two, he had an encounter, a level-changing encounter with the Lord Jesus Christ. Then he received a level-changing instruction. Go to the pool and wash. And then he now performed a level-changing action. He actually got up and went there. I'm sure when he was going, nobody, he didn't know why he was going because he was still blind. People must have been asking him. He must have been saying, where is the pool Shiloh? Where is the pool Shiloh? And they'll say, what's wrong with you? You are a blind man. Why, are you, why do you need to go to the pool? He said, no, there's a guy that put a spittle in my eye. He asked me to go to the pool and, you know, and wash this thing up. And they said, and you believe that? You are born blind. How can your eyes be open because somebody put a mud in your face? This thing must be stinking. Don't you think you, that person is doing you a disservice? They're supposed to give you money instead of putting spittle on your face. They could have given him all sorts of excuses. But the Bible says that this man, who has had an encounter, who has had a level changing, a level changing encounter, who has received a level changing instruction. The Bible says that he now took a level changing action. Even when it didn't make sense. Even when it was embarrassing. Even when he had no reason to do it. It has never been done before. The eyes of a man that was born blind had never been opened before. Jesus put clay. 
spit on that clay. That thing must be nasty. Put it on his face and say, go and wash. That which was never done before happened in his life. His eyes were open. The Bible said that the neighbors looked at him and they said, is this not the same guy who was blind? Is this not the same guy who is sitting down there begging for money? And some said, no, 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 it can't be him. It looks like him. It can't be him. The people who are born blind can never see. It can't be him. You don't put spit on people's eyes and they go and watch and they receive sight. No, it cannot be him. But eventually the man said, it is I. And then they asked him, how did you get it? He said, somebody gave me a life changing, a level changing instruction. I took a level changing action. And here is the level changing evidence. I want you to notice that the man who was born blind could have remained blind or would have remained blind for the, if you refuse to go to the pool. What actually brings the power of God into your life is the faith. The Bible says the just shall live by his faith, not by the anointing of the pastor. Whatever you receive from the Almighty God is a function of your faith. This man would have remained a blind man if he did not put the faith that he had in the Lord Jesus Christ. If he did not put it into action, he will remain like that. He can profess it till kingdom come. Nothing will change in his life. If the man has said, yes, Jesus, I believe you are the son of God. I believe that you came to die. But this business of putting spit in my face and putting clay, this thing is yucky. Going to the pool is not a very good idea. Washing, I will be embarrassed. You will be embarrassing me. I mean, if you, if the man kept on giving all those excuses or arguing with the Lord, he will never receive the sights. Though Jesus was the anointed one. In other words, without the practice of faith, levels are never changed. Without the practice of faith, your level will never change. Without taking the word of God and doing what you know, what you believe to be true, the, your level will remain the same way. And no matter the level of the blind man's profession of faith, if you refuse to act on the instruction, if you refuse to take the practice, if you refuse to practice the practice of his faith, what you will find is that he will remain blind forever. It was the action of the blind man. It was the obedience to the instruction of Christ. That turned his situation around. And as soon as he followed the instruction of our Lord Jesus Christ. As soon as he acted on his faith. His level changed. He was elevated from the level of a beggar. To the man who can see. And so my brothers and sisters. Your level in any area of your life. Will only change. When you take the word of God. That is spoken concerning that particular area of your life. And you put it to practice. The Bible says, and the, the Son of God became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, even the glory of the only begotten Son. The Word of God must become flesh through practice before you can see the glory of the Almighty God. Unless you are willing to practice the faith, what you believe, your level will not change. And that is why the Bible tells the book of Mark chapter 11. Mark chapter 11 verse 23. The Bible said, for verily I say unto you, that whosoever shall say to this mountain, be thou removed, and be thou cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatever he says. There has to be a profession of faith and an action of faith. There has to be a practice of what you believe before you can see the result of that particular practice. But unfortunately, there are many believers, even in the church. Many speak to mountains and mountains do not move. 
Many make a lot of proclamation and their levels are not changing. And you begin to wonder why. What is going on? Does it mean God is no longer in the business of hearing and answering prayer? Does it mean that God no longer changes the levels of his people? The question is, why is the level of the people of God, who have the resource of God, who have the promise of God, who have the word of God, who have the power of God at their disposal, why is our level not changing? Why is our level not changing? My brothers and sisters, let me suggest to you the reason life is not responding to our faith. The reason that our level remains unchanged in most cases is because we have what is called a misunderstanding of the meaning of faith. We have a misunderstanding of the meaning of faith. When many come to church, they think that faith is just a confession. And many of the prosperity churches and prosperity gospel have made it very, you just pray, just, just name it and claim it and it will happen. It doesn't work like that. Many of us are not seeing our level change because of our faith, because we misunderstood faith and we think that faith is just a mere confession. You say it and you get it. You don't just say it and get it. When a minister comes and says, I decree that the, that the hand of the Almighty God will be upon your life today. If that minister has not prayed, if that minister had not waited upon the Lord to receive a word, if he makes that pronouncement, he's just wasting his time. It's just an empty word. And there are many Christians who are just giving empty word and that's why they are disappointed. That's why their lives are not changing. Because we think that faith is just a profession. Because faith is not just a confession. Number two, we are not seeing the result because we do not understand that faith is not just an agreement. The fact that I agree with you does not mean I believe in you. The fact that I agree with you does not mean that I have faith in you. The fact that you agree with God concerning a particular issue does not mean that you have faith in God. The Bible makes us understand even the devil agreed that God, that Jesus is Lord. When Jesus came and he was about to cast them, I said, no, you don't come. Our time is not here. Don't come and torment. They know that Jesus is Lord. They agree with his power. But that doesn't mean that they have a saving faith. So faith is not just a, it's not just confession. Faith is not just an agreement. Number three, faith is not blind. A lot of people say, yes, I believe God. I'm fine. You know, they, we, we, we talk about faith as if it's something that, uh, as if it's something that we do foolishly. And many people believe they make the church look like when you come to church and you have faith, you have checked out your brain. Your brain is no longer functioning. That is not faith. Faith is not blind. Faith in Lord Jesus Christ is not stupid. Faith in the Lord Jesus Christ is not irrational. The faith in our Lord Jesus Christ is not irrational. There is evidence of faith. That's why the Bible says, faith is the substance of things hoped for. The evidence. It is not irrational. Faith is not irrational. You don't just sit down there and say, yes. This, and that's why I tell the, that's why we, do, we send a letter to the church and say, stay at home. Yes, I believe that the blood of Jesus covers me. I believe that disease will not touch my body. But that doesn't mean I should go around the beginning to touch everything and put it in my nose. So that Corona will now become a visitor. No. The fact that I know that God can protect me does not mean that I live a careless life. The Bible makes us to understand that Jesus Christ was the son of God. When the devil came, he said, jump, because I know that he'll give his angels charge over you. Jesus Christ said, no, that's not the way the Bible is. You do not tempt the Lord your God. You don't jump because he said he's giving his angels charge over you. Before you find yourself, you'll be scattered in a million pieces. The idea is this. Faith is not irrational. The fact that God can do something does not mean that you begin to test God. Faith is not irrational. And finally, faith is not irresponsible. And many of us are not seeing our change, our levels change because we think that faith is irresponsible. We believe that once you give it to God, you can sit down and sip pina colada and life God will take care of everything. No! You have heard me from this pulpit say it several times. You will do your part before God will do his own part. If you refuse to do your part, God will not do his own, he will not do anything. Because you have 
to fulfill a covenant. A God is a covenant-keeping God. You have to do your part for Him to be committed to doing His own part. God is not committed unto you until you have been until you have committed yourself to fulfilling the part of that particular bargain. So faith is not irresponsible. And many of us are not seeing the result because we live an irresponsible life. A person who wants prosperity but cannot control the spending on his car. A person who wants prosperity but will not go to work. A person who wants prosperity but will not be diligent at the place of work. And you think that the, your, 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 your manager will promote you. The manager who promotes you is probably sipping something. The idea is that we are not seeing the results of faith. We are not seeing our levels change because we think that faith is irresponsible. You give it to God and that's the end of the story. No, you don't give it to God and go to bed. You give it to God and go to work. That's the way it works. The question then is what is faith? Hebrews 11, reading from verse number 1. Many of us are familiar with this. The Bible says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. By verse number 6, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. If you combine these two verses together, there are three things that come out of those verses. The first one is this, faith is knowledge. Before you can say, I have faith in something, you must know something about that something. The Bible makes us to understand the book of John chapter 20 verse number 31. It said, but these things were written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God. And that by believing that you may have life in his name. In other words, there was some information that were written about the Lord Jesus Christ. The reason those information were written is for you to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So faith, number one, has a component of knowledge. You have to know what you are believing in. And there are a lot of Christians who do not know jack about the Bible. They have no idea who the God they are serving. They have no clue what it means to be a Christian. How do you want your faith to work when you have no idea who you are serving? Faith, number one, requires knowledge. Faith has the intellectual component. It is based upon the knowledge of a certain fundamental truth. If I believe in my friend or believe in my sister, I have known something about that person that makes me to believe. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. There is a substance, there is a knowledge, there is an information about that thing that makes you to have confidence in it. That's what faith is. Number two, faith is conviction. Faith is conviction. Romans chapter 4 verse 21, the Bible says, Being fully persuaded that with that which he has promised, he was able to perform. In other words, faith is assurance, a conviction, a persuasion that you believe that you know that you know. And how do you know that you know? Number one, through information. Number two, through past activities. The history of the person that you have been dealing with. If the person is being a reliable person, you can be sure that he's going to be reliable. If the person is unreliable, you know that even if they promise heaven and earth, they are not they are not reliable. Faith is conviction. Faith is the intellectual conviction that knowledge that the knowledge one possesses is factually true and personally beneficial. That's why you are convinced. That's why you can take it to the bank. The Bible says that he that comes to God must believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who deliver. That means there has to be conviction when you are coming to the Almighty God. Faith is conviction. Number three, faith is trusting. 
Jeremiah chapter 32 verse number 27 the Bible says behold I am the Lord the God of all flesh there is is there anything too hard for me in other words I am so sure I made the heavens and the earth and you trust him because he has never failed that's why David said I have been young and now I am old I have never seen the righteous forsaken or his seeds begging bread in other words I know that as long as I walk with the Lord no trouble no issue I trust him that's why Job says, though he slays me, I will yet do what? I will yet trust him. Because I know him. And that's what the three Hebrew children were saying. He said that even if he said, we are not going to bow down to your tr- to your to your image, O King Nebuchadnezzar. You can put us in the fire. He said, We know that our God is able to deliver us. That is trust. He said, even if he doesn't deliver us, we are still not going to do it. The point is that faith number one is knowledge. Number two, faith. Is conviction. Number three, faith is trust. Faith is a personal trust in Christ. A complete reliance on him. The Bible says that he that comes to him must believe that he is and is the rewarder of those who do. That is, it is a true, it's trust. Number four, faith is engaging. Faith is not isolated. Luke chapter 8, verse number 43, the Bible says, Now a woman having a flow of blood for 12 years, who has spent all her livelihood on physician and could not be healed by any. Verse number 44, came behind and touched the border of his garment and immediately her flow of blood ceased. Faith is engaging. In other words, this woman believed that just coming to Lord Jesus Christ, if he touches, if she touches the hem of his garment, that whatever is going on in her life will stop. And she did not just have it at the back of her mind. It was not something that she was just thinking about. The Bible says that she actually pressed. You can imagine somebody who has been losing blood. For 12 years, that means she's weak. For 12 years, that means she's not strong. For 12 years, with a lot of people who are going around about him, the Bible says she kept on fighting her way. She was engaging the word of God that she has believed. She was engaging the faith that is in her mind. And the Bible says she moved closer to the Lord Jesus Christ. She stretched forth her hand and touched the hem of his garment. And the Bible says virtue flowed out of his body. She engaged her faith. She took the word of God and said, Lord, I'm going to try this word. I'm going to see if this word is true. God himself in the book of Isaiah, he said, said, try me and see. He said, taste and see that Lord is good. In the book of Malachi, he said, try me and see if I will not open the windows of heaven. The point we are making is that faith is not dormant. Faith is not passive. Faith is not putting your life on cruise control. Faith is engaging the truth of the word of God. And finally, faith is a practical profession. Practical profession. Bible tells us that he said, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering. For he is faithful that has promised. What do you must understand when they talk about profession? Faith is a great profession. When we talk about profession, profession requires skills. Okay? Profession is a skill. And that's why you have doctors is a profession. Huh? A lawyer is a profession. Okay? A dentist or whatever, engineers, architects, those are, those are professions. And that requires skills. It requires learning. It requires development. When we talk about our faith, our faith is a skill. It's a profession that requires the development through the word of God. It requires diligent demonstration. You have never seen a doctor who cannot perform his skills. 
There is something that has to, there is a demonstration and a practice of that particular skill. The same thing, the faith in the Lord Jesus Christ required demonstration, it required practice. And that comes through the word of God. The question is, why must you practice your faith to experience a change of level? Why is it that you need to practice your faith to be able to enjoy the change of level? The reason why your faith must be practiced for you to see a change of level is because the practice of faith requires conviction. You will not do something unless you believe in it. You never put your money in an investment if you don't believe in that investment. You never do certain things unless you believe in that thing. The practice of your faith changes your level because the practice of faith requires conviction. You have to believe it to do it. If you do something without believing it, what you are just doing is you are going through what is called a religious practice. And this is what a lot of people do. We come to church because they say we should come to church. We come to church because you don't want the pastor to be angry at you. It doesn't do you any good. What does you good is the conviction. Number two, the practice of faith requires knowledge. You have to know what you are putting yourself into. That's why it changes your level. The more you know about it, the better you become. Number three, the practice of faith requires commitment. The way you are committed to doing something and you do it over and over and over again, you get better and you keep rising. This thing is no magic. Practice of faith changes your level because practice of faith requires commitments. It is what I believe in. It is what I'm convinced in. That is what I commit myself to. The practice of faith that changes your level, it changes your level because it requires your commitment. The more you are committed, the better you become at something. The practice of faith changes your level because it requires connection. Faith connects you with the Almighty God. And the more you are connected to the Almighty God, the more the power of the Almighty God flows into your life. And that flow of the power is what changes your, is what changes your level. So the practice of faith requires connection. That is why it is able to change your level. It requires consecration. It requires dedication. It requires separation. You cannot be practicing faith and practicing unbelief at the same time. You cannot be doing one thing for God and doing something for the devil at the same time. That's why the Bible says no man can serve two masters. It's either you are serving God or you are serving the devil. The same thing. If you are practicing faith and you are consecrated, dedicated to seeing the word of God fulfilled in your life, you will not be involved in other, other crazy things that will not allow you to move forward. That is why the practice of faith changes your level. The question then is, how does the practice of faith, how does this practice of faith actually change your level? How does it change your level? One thing you must understand is this. The more you begin to practice the word of God, the more you begin to see the invisible. Number two, the more you practice the word of God, the more you practice the faith that you believe, the more you begin to think the unthinkable. All things that you think are impossible become possible for you. Bible tells in the book of Romans chapter 4 verse 19, And be not weak in faith. This is talking about Abraham. Be not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was about a hundred years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. How can a hundred year old man think that a ninety year old woman will give birth to a child? It is unthinkable. But it's only possible when you take the word of God, when you walk the word of God. When you believe what the word of God says to you, then the things that are not thinkable, the things that you think are impossible, now becomes possible. That's how it changes your level. That is how it changes your level. Number three, how does faith change your level? Faith changes your level because you begin to expect the unexpected. That is when you do not have money in your hand and you say, Lord, I know my God will provide. 
That is when every bone, every, every fiber of your body is aching and you say that the Lord Almighty is my healer. That is when you know when things are difficult, you say the Lord God Almighty is my shepherd I shall not want. The reason is because you are expecting God to come true for you. In Hebrews 11 verse number 7, the Bible says, By faith Noah, being warned of God, of things not yet seen, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his household, by which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness, which is by faith. In other words, the whole world was going to go into perdition. The Lord has spoken to Noah because Noah was able to see into the invisible. Noah began the preparation. What was not expected, Noah prepared because Noah had already seen what is coming. And that's why believers keep telling the world, you need to be prepared because Jesus is coming again. You need to be prepared because the day of rapture will come. Whether you believe or you don't believe, it doesn't make any difference. It's going to come. And when it comes, whether you are ready or not, it's going to take his own people home. You need, you start expecting. You do that because you believe the word of God. You begin to expect the hand of God to move in your life. You begin to expect God to meet you at the point of your need. You begin to expect the Lord to meet you in a miraculous way. You begin to expect healing in your physical body because the, you are exercising your faith in the word of the almighty God. Thank you very much for listening to our program today. We invite you to join us every Sunday at 10 a.m. for our Sunday worship service at 2711 Murfreesboro Road in Antioch, Tennessee. We also host Bible study and prayer meetings every Friday at 7 p.m. Visit us online at www.lifelonganointing.com and on Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Join us next time for another edition of Fresh Encounter. On behalf of Lifelong Anointing Church, we thank you for listening.